incidentally, I absolutely love it when you break it down into steps like that. Gets me, it gets me Joe Judge can't fight excited. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, Scheme Month is here. This week, we look at the quarterback run game, what Trey Lance did in college, and what that might look like as a pro. And with me this week, filing his retirement papers instead of running sprints, it's David Newman. Okay, who did this? <laughs> this is Joe Looney. What hero Former did Former 49er Joe Looney. You know what? <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. I love every second of it. So if you're not familiar with the story out of New York, there was a brawl. There were fights. Fisticuffs were had on the field. And Daniel Jones ends up at the bottom of the pile. Joe Judge, head coach, he, you know, typical head coach style, decides to make the team run sprints and do gassers and do all manner of stuff. Interesting footnote to this story. On the next day, Joe Judge comes back and says that the fight turned him on a little. <laughs> Which is, I think, just, I mean, it is, it's right up there with Dan Campbell's biting kneecaps or whatever. Um, or Dan Campbell came back and said he drinks like 80 ounces of coffee and four shots of espresso before 8 a.m. or whatever it was. Just some peak, peak football coach bullshit. But Joe Looney, the day after this brawl and sprint fiasco, retires. <laughs> Look, he, uh, he signed, he signed with the team on July 31st. I get and it. And my dude retired on August 4th. I mean, look <laughs> at Joe Looney. That man ain't built to run sprints. <laughs> so what's funny is he didn't even make bones about it. His agent said, Joe always felt when his body didn't respond the way he needed it to, it would be time to step away. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Joe Looney, hey, you know what? He, he, here's a guy who I did not think was going to have a fruitful career in the NFL. Almost a decade. Yeah. Drafted in 2012. 2012 draft. Good for you. Good for you for carving out a career and making it work. Cheers to you, Looney. All right. Let's get to the rundown, though, because 49ers things have happened. There's a lot of positive buzz about Trey Lance. All the camp reports are a flutter. He had one of his best days on Saturday. He looked good during a red zone period. He has, uh, apparently Shanahan went from ha not having any plans to give Trey Lance first team reps, and then the very next day, Trey Lance has one rep with the first team. Now, I know it was because he was practicing a special run, which is why he was in with the first team. So that also throws the whole don't have special packages for Trey Lance out the window, because clearly he does. Uh, and all in all, there's just a ton of excitement from the people who were at camp looking at Trey Lance and saying things like, he looks like the best quarterback on the field. That's what Matt Mayoko said on KNBR uh, earlier today. And overall, there's just a bit of excitement around what Trey Lance can do. Um, and that's like, I mean, I, th there's a lot of stuff that we'll talk about, about what maybe you can pick out and what you can't. But overall, it's kind of what I would expect. And it's a good thing because the, the opposite could also be true. It's like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo is clearly the best quarterback right now. I don't know what Trey Lance is doing here. He looks confused. He looks out of his element. He looks out of sorts. I think that would be where you're concerned. This is what's supposed to happen with the third overall pick that you trade up to get. He should look like the best quarterback, even though he's still probably going to have some rough edges. Yeah, I mean, I think like it, either in either of those scenarios, right, you're you're still coming away, hopefully, with the same long term message, which is is it doesn't matter, right? Like, don't worry yet. It's too early, like. You know, whether he was being terrible or or whether he's getting the buzz that he is now. But obviously, if like given the choice, you would prefer to have the positive buzz. Like it's it's exactly. great that um, you know, that he's playing well and that he's uh, you know, impressing when he's getting a chance. And yeah, there's I think like a ton of caveats to that, right? He is playing largely with the the second team, um, which means he's gonna be largely going against the second team defense. And um from what I think it was Barrows and, and a Barrows camp report that I read, right? Like the 49er skill position players rotate constantly. So um, it's less of a first team, second team situation with them, which means that Lance could be out there on any given rep with like Kittle and Debo and Ayuk going against the second team defense. And it's like, yeah, okay, you better look pretty fucking good when, when that's happening. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think, does it mean anything long-term for Trey Lance? Absolutely not. But it's, it's still great to have positive news and see him, you know, performing well. 
Yeah, I think the one thing that I'm certainly filtering out is something that is becoming more popular and has been, I feel like, over the last few years is beat writers tracking the completion statistics awful. of the quarterbacks in camp. Fucking awful. That's one thing I'm I'm kind of ignoring because I think Barrows even has in his article that over the last two days that Trey Lance has only missed two passes. And the one thing, hopefully, that you're screaming to yourself after, if you're, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, hopefully you know exactly where I'm going, but it's really about context. We're not entirely sure what the context of those numbers are, and so it's really hard to make a judgment about what those things really mean. They could all be really short completions. They could all be checkdowns. They could all be, uh, you know, when George Kittle's going up against some fourth linebacker, and you're like, well, yeah, I would hope he would complete that. Um, it, there could be a lot of things here that really color the nature of those percentages. And, and so don't, I wouldn't focus on those completion percentages or those things too much. And especially, I think it was uh, offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel who came out and said that Tra Trey Lance's progressions are still a bit of a work in progress. He's not always hitting the right guy in the progression at the right time. And Lance could still be completing passes, not be getting through his progressions correctly. And the beat writers wouldn't know. They would see a completed pass. But from the offensive install perspective, McDaniel might be saying, hey, you know what? Like, you really needed a way to be longer and get, you know, off that read or something like that. And, and that's a coaching point. The coach knows. And, and the folks just reporting 11 for 12 don't. So that's not to say that, you know, it's not, you know, fun and whatever to read. But just like, don't put all your hopes into it when you're like, oh, my God, Jimmy didn't complete six passes and Trey Lance, you know, only missed one. It's like, eh, yeah, some context would be good. And it's also <laughs> training camp. Right. And it's like and in, in, in that example, too. Right. Like, like that gets back to the, the quality of competition type of thing. Right. When you're going against a second team, if it's Fred Warner out there, you know, when you're a beat late to that read, maybe some of those passes are getting knocked down or picked. Right. But when it's the third or fourth string, um, you know, linebacker that's out there, those passes are still getting through because that guy's, you know, late or he's not where he's supposed to be or something like that. Right. So, yeah, there's there's a bunch of reasons to, to not pay any attention to that stuff. But I think, yeah, overall, what you're looking at is is there seems to be an overwhelming amount from kind of everyone of, of just generally positive talk about Lance. And I think that is is obviously a great sign. Yeah, I think Mayoko last season said Brandon Ayuk was one of the more impressive rookies that he saw in training camp of people that he's had the fortune of watching in training camp before. That kind of stuff, I think, is really valuable because Mayoko has, at this point, you know, two decades or so of context of watching players in training camp. So he's got a good idea of like what good players kind of look like in camp and what not so good players kind of look like in camp. And so to me, that subjective like, yeah, Trey Lance looks really good probably means a bit more than to me anyway than the fact that he was like 11 for 12 or 13 for 14 necessarily in any given period or whatever um and even that goes with a grain of salt right because you can you can think a player looks good and then the player's just not all that great you know yeah. um so th there's a lot in there that that you know just kind of take with a grain of salt you're, you're but not I think looking that, at yeah you're not looking at those completion numbers and being like trey lance fixed his accuracy in in five training camp practices you right. know it's like tim tebow fixing his throwing motion in his first camp or some shit right it's like look Easy at how with the comparison look at how hard he worked you know to do it's it's all i'm saying you know it's just like yeah you're, you're not getting that sort of information um you know from from this short of time in a practice environment I will not have you besmirch Trey Lance with the stain that is Tim Tebow's throwing mechanics. <laughs> no direct comparison there. <laughs> All right. So Garoppolo, now that, this is probably when I put this down, it was, it's maybe already passed because now we're on to Phillip Rivers maybe becoming a Colt. But really quickly, just on the topic of Garoppolo being traded to the Colts, it's unlikely. Uh, so unlikely that I think it's probably not ever really going to happen. I'd put that in the realm of like almost not going to happen for two reasons. One, I do think the Colts are really all in on Carson Wentz. And I think Frank Reich said earlier today that it is Carson Wentz's team. You're not going to trade for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo if you're sitting here thinking that that's like, that's the, those are the eggs in which, or that's the basket in which you put your eggs. Um, but on top of that, they only have $11 million or so of cap space. They would need to get really creative and give the Niners more assets for the Niners to eat some of that salary. Not impossible, but. I don't think that's likely in the realm of what will happen. I think more than likely if they make a move, it'll be something like Philip Rivers coming back or Marcus Mariota um, from, from Las Vegas or something like that. So yeah, that's, it's, it's fun to think about, but I really don't think Garoppolo is going to move this offseason. I think he's going to open the season as a week one starter unless Lance continues his ascension. Agree to agree. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, th I think the only scenario that makes sense with Garoppolo leaving is if, 
a team gets right. I think like the it's the opposite of the example that you highlighted, right? Where they're they're they seem to be invested in Wentz long term, and like an injury that even keeps him out a few months, like isn't going to change those plans, right? You already invested in him; he's the guy that you're expecting to be there um, for multiple seasons, and and so you're not going to kind of stray from that and go after somebody like Garoppolo. But if you have you know a team that like went and and is just kind of has like that placeholder type guy at quarterback, and he gets hurt. And they become desperate, you know, to, to go and get something. And they're not really tied to that guy long term. They were really only hanging on for a season anyway. Like, I could see maybe a team like that getting desperate and, and wanting to throw some stuff at the 49ers for Garoppolo. But even that, right, is is probably still very unlikely. Yeah. All right, last thing before we get to the scheme month portion where we talk about the quarterback run game is really an interesting story about Mike McGlinchey and him being a little open about his troubles last year. He was a much maligned player last year. People were talking about his pass blocking being awful and terrible. And and if you listen to us last year, we told you that, look, Mike McGlinchey, yeah, he's had some bad snaps, but largely the player that we always, you know, that he has been over his career. Very, very good run blocker. Has some issues in pass protection. And he's been really open about what those issues were. He said, uh, I forget, I don't know if it was to Matt Barrows or to who, but it was that he felt insecure about being light. He stayed light to be good in the run game, be on the move. But because he was playing light, he felt like he had to brace against the bull rush. And in bracing against the bull rush, he would stop his feet. And then eventually tackles, defensive tackles or, just, or defensive ends would just go around him once he stopped his feet. As an offensive lineman, once you stop your feet, you're basically dead in the water. Uh, and if a defensive end or a pass rusher sees that, they can move off of that. And all of a sudden, you look kind of ridiculous. And that kind of checks out like the feet not moving thing him kind of being off balance him getting over his feet stuff we've identified before but have never really been able to get into his head obviously until McGlinchey says hey this is kind of why so what did he do he bulked up he added 25 pounds ate a lot of pork ate big hot dogs and now he feels heavier and more confident um I'll be curious to think to see if that actually affects his pass protection prowess uh David what do you think about all this I think you just hope that it doesn't, you know, cause him to to lose any sort of quickness, right? Like it 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 doesn't do you a lot of good overall, right? If you bulk up and and you get better at stopping the bull rush, if suddenly that makes you even worse against, you know, speed moves and and kind of the counters to the bull rush, right? So, um yeah, I I think you're just hoping that yeah, if it means that he gets stronger and and he feels more confident taking that on um and that leads to like kind of overall better technique that can allow him to uh you know not be overly concerned with the bull rush and and be able to just kind of like have the strength to anchor if he gets it and that doesn't leave him out of position to to kind of go up against some of the other moves that he might see like yeah obviously that would be in, incredible um i think you're just hoping that yeah he he doesn't get slow as a result, and it doesn't negatively impact not only in the in in pass rush, which I, I think is clearly the most important. But I mean, again, right now his best asset is that he's uh, one of the best run blockers in the entire league, right at tackle. So you don't want him to get slow there too, and and lose that ability as a run blocker either. And and so yeah, I I think you're just hoping that he isn't giving up one thing to you know gain in another area you're, you're hoping that it kind of balances out somewhere and he can still kind of keep the strengths that he had before as strengths i think honestly it's probably not even a weight thing i think as long as the weight makes him feel better about having the anchor for the bull rush he'll probably be better it, the, the it's a security blanket yeah uh, the weights the weight's not going to make him a better blocker it's the fact that he doesn't feel like he has to stop his feet to brace that is going to make him a better pass blocker. I don't know that he needs to put on 25 pounds to do that, but if that's what he needs in his own mind to kind of psychologically get him over that hump, then, hey, man, do what you need to do and eat a lot of pork rolls in the process, <laughs> uh, which is not a thing I knew existed until a couple of days ago. Pork rolls. Wow. As 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 a meat, like, as, as a food source is exactly what you would think it is. It's just pork rolled. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that just about does it in terms of news and notes from training camp stuff so far. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Trey Lance over the course of the next few weeks, and so I don't know that we need to sit here and, and, and pick apart all of the positive buzz, but we're going to go from some Trey Lance positive buzz straight to what that positive buzz could look like IRL in real life in a game, and we're going to talk about the quarterback run game for our first episode of Ski Month. We're going to hope to take you on a little quarterback run game journey and talk about 
why the quarterback run game is an important part of what Shanahan wants to build into his offense, how to identify an option play. Because while many of you might think to yourself, yeah, I know how to do it. You see it every Sunday. People are confusing RPOs with play action passes and options with not real options. And so just give you a couple of trips on, uh, tricks on how to identify it during the game when you're watching it. We went back and watched uh, a lot of Trey Lance's running plays at North Dakota State. It's North Dakota, right? Not South Dakota. I made that mistake on the Patreon no, video. Correct. North Dakota. North Dakota. Uh, the De- Sorry, I just think of the West Wing episode where North Dakota wants to remove the North from its name because it thinks that it's hurting its tourism uh, because the South is more appealing. Uh, and so they just want to be called Dakota. So- <laughs> wow. I think I got that right. I may have flipped the North and the South, but yes, it's a pretty good West Wing episode. Um, what Trey Lance did at North Dakota State and what he did well, what Shanahan has done in his time as an offensive play caller or the head coach of the Niners, and then what the 49ers offense will look like with Trey Lance, both in 2021 and after that, when Trey Lance almost assuredly will be the sole starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. So David, let's get to why you run the quarterback. And we're going to bring back a concept that we originally heard way back in the Colin Kaepernick days in the beginning of the podcast days. And it's really uh, the the idea of a constraint play. What is a constraint play and why is it valuable for offenses to run them when you are someone like Kyle Shanahan and you're thinking to yourself, I need to do these things. Yeah, so a, a constraint play is going to be something that, that complements kind of your core offense in a way, right? So if you think of kind of the the core of what you want to do offensively is going to be like your base drop back passes right your base running plays your your play action stuff right the, these these things that are just kind of these are the things when when we draw it up like this is what we really want to do right this is what we want to go in with our game plan doing the majority of the time but you need other plays mixed in there right that they kind of keep the defense honest and allow you to do those things more successfully. So like a great example, right, would would be uh, with the 49ers in their zone run game, right? If, if you want to be, okay, we're going to be an outside zone team. We're going to run outside zone uh, like the majority of the time and, and kind of this is going to be the foundational play for us. Um, what you end up doing on a lot of outside zones, right, is you leave kind of the backside end unblocked. And, and if that end doesn't have any other threat, he can start crashing down, crashing down, crashing down, right? They, they make adjustments to stop that outside zone play. And so a constraint play is going to be something that that forces that end to not crash down anymore, right? And, and so that's where kind of like, a, you know, a, an option play from the quarterback can come in where if suddenly the, the quarterback is an option to keep the ball, well, then that end has to be a little bit more hesitant, right? He can't go down and, and kind of crash against uh, the run as quickly. He needs to be able to stay out there and and hang out in case the quarterback keeps it, right? So it's just, it's things um, that, that help keep the defense honest and prevent them from kind of over committing to the stuff, the bread and butter stuff that you really want to be doing. And really the benefit of the constraint is that it makes what the defense is doing predictable. It plays off of their rules. It plays off of their gap assignment. It forces the defense to play you a particular way. And when the team plays you a particular way and you know what that defense is going to do, it allows you to punish them because you know what they're going to do. This is what Shanahan does really, really well when he sequences plays. He knows what the rules of the defense are, and he specifically calls plays that begin to attack and break down those rules so that he can get chunks of yardage, open receivers, and all the wonderful things that you can get. So when you think about the the kind of outside zone example that David just brought up, well, now when you're creating, when you're forcing that backside defensive end to stay home, and respect the quarterback's run, what you've done is you've widened the gap on the backside that may allow a cutback for someone like Raheem Mostert to break through, get a big chunk yard, because you're forcing that defensive end to stay home. Whereas if he crashes down because he doesn't have to respect a quarterback running that backside option, now all of a sudden he's going to get down, he's going to maybe make a tackle two, three yards down the, the, the field, and what could have been an explosive play is now a play that ends up being probably a positive for the defense. But the other thing that the the run game for the quarterback allows you to do is it allows you to get numbers back in the run game. So David, talk a bit about why numbers in the run game are important and ultimately why that can help you be a more effective running team. 
Right. Well, if you, you think about a, you know, a typical, say, just under center run play, right, the, the quarterback isn't really a threat most of the time. Right. So if you just have you've got somebody like Peyton Manning back there, um, you're, you're essentially on a run play playing 10 on 11. Right. The quarterback's going to give the ball away and then he's going to just be worthless the rest of the time. Like he's not going to do anything to help you in your success on that play. And so what you do by getting the quarterback involved in the run game is you you make that an even game now, right? You gain that number back where now you the, the defense no longer has a free player, right? Because if uh, if you're you're looking at a more traditional you know type run game, um, there's always going to be somebody free. There's always going to be somebody like that the defense can get free. They can always have a numbers advantage. Like you put extra blockers in the box. They put extra defenders, and, and you can just keep doing that, and they're going to be the ones that are left with essentially extra players, right, that can get in there and stop it. And so when you you get the quarterback involved, it kind of just evens things up a little bit. So now, um, you know, the quarterback being a threat to run the ball is, is essentially like having an extra blocker, right, whether you're doing option-type plays and you're going to read a guy, so you're, you're kind of blocking him by reading him and, and not having to dedicate a body to that guy. Or with some of the design quarterback run stuff that you can do, um, you're basically just getting your running back now as an extra blocker, an extra lead blocker um, that you have to, to do all of the same sort of run stuff that you would do normally. So, yeah, it just gives you basically an extra viable player that actually helps you um, in, in your success on that play. Getting numbers back in the run game is also important now that you are seeing defenses start out the beginning of plays in more too high shells. The Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley world is now basically playing early downs with lighter boxes. And they can do that. They can get away with two safeties deep because they don't really have to worry about the quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, you've got an extra runner. You've got an extra blocker. And you're trying to play with two safeties deep, especially on first or second down. A quarterback run where you gain numbers back in the run game can be really, really effective. So it just creates more options for you as an offense to punish the defense now that defense is starting to over-index into lighter boxes and being able to be pass-first defenses. Well, then you, you hit them with the quarterback run. You keep them honest. You get to dictate what's happening on the field. And for an offensive play caller like Shanahan, that becomes exciting because now you regain some of that control simply by presenting the threat of the quarterback run, whether that be via option or some other designed quarterback run. And, and this is just, it gives Shanahan another way to do this, right? So like a, a lot of what they're doing, because we, we know that they run motions and they run shifts more than any other team in the NFL. And all of that stuff is to try to get a kind of numbers advantage at the the area of attack right at the point of attack that they want to be able to run so if we if we know that they're going to go you know outside to the left in 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 their run play like all of the motions and shifts that they're doing is trying to get the, the defense moving around or get somebody out of position so that they have a numbers advantage kind of locally right they it's not going to be overall because again the quarterback not being a run threat is still going to give that defense the advantage if they're lined up properly and they're in the right places. Um, but if you can kind of locally in just one small area get that numbers advantage, that's still going to be you know hugely beneficial for you. So that's kind of what they already do incredibly well in the run game. Um, and, and so this gives them another way to be able to do that. So when you look at what Trey Lance did at North Dakota State, what kinds of concepts did he run and, and what was he good at in the quarterback run game when he was in college because he had a lot of success. He didn't have like over a uh, thousand yards and like 11 touchdowns or something like that when he was barnstorming through the FCS as as uh, a runner really uh, first and a passer second it seemed like. Um, but what kinds of concepts did he execute well and what did he do that might be able to translate to the NFL with his time at the 49ers? Yeah, I think uh, I mean, I think everything that they did is is stuff that um, is going to be largely able to translate and, and stuff that you're already seeing at the NFL level to some degree that you're you're definitely seeing it at more of the major college football level. Um, but I think, yeah, what they did and, and what a lot of college teams have kind of moved to in, in the quarterback run game is a lot of gap scheme based stuff. So it's a lot of power based runs. Um, and you know, they mix in a little bit of counter in there and, and they definitely still have. So, I mean, if you're more familiar, I feel like 
if you're familiar with with quarterback option runs out of the shotgun or the pistol or anything like that, you're probably familiar most with the zone read, right? Like that's the the kind of basic example that has been drawn up on broadcast. We've talked about it a ton over the years. Like it's kind of been everywhere, right? So if you're give us the the quick definition of the zone read for those that may be uninitiated. So it, it's essentially you have zone blocking, right? So it could be inside zone, outside zone. Your offensive line is zone blocking, um, and then that defender that we mentioned, right? It, it, it kind of the constraint play example so usually there's going to be a defender on the back side of that play uh, that's left unblocked and the quarterback is going to read it and and essentially if that defender crashes inside well he's going to keep the ball and pull it and go outside if the defender stays home to stop the quarterback run then he's going to hand it off and, and give it to the back right and they're just going to run an, a normal zone play at that point um and, and so yeah it's just a, a kind of very bena- basic vanilla um way to get the vanilla vanilla yeah yeah i I, i'm I'm okay with that word vanilla because it sounds kind of like banal you know (laughs) so it's like all of those things mixed together i'm like i'm liking it vanilla okay it's a vanilla concept concept. um (laughs) and so yeah so so you saw some of that stuff and and uh and that's kind of what i think um a lot of schools were doing, you know, initially when they first got you think about the the Chip Kelly stuff at Oregon and, and all of the, the college teams that initially started doing, um, you know, quarterback run heavy things out of the shotgun. Um, and it was a lot of zone read, a lot of zone based stuff. And so now I think you're seeing more gap scheme stuff, more of the powers where you're getting guys pulling out in front. And then the other thing that you're doing is you're especially if you have a very talented quarterback uh, running the ball like Lance, um, you're you're inverting those concepts. So what I mean by that is, if you think back to that zone read example, right, the the running back is the primary ball carrier on the play. He's the one that's following the blocking by the offensive line. Whereas if the quarterback keeps it, he's largely kind of on his own. He's the secondary option on his play, right? He's, he's going away from where the blocking is going. Um, and he may have, you know, there's, there's tweaks and stuff that may get him a blocker or two or something like that. But largely he's going away from where the bulk of the blocking uh, is, is going. Inverted switches those roles. So it just makes the quarterback now the primary ball carrier. He's going to be the one that is following the blocking of the offensive line. And now the running back is that kind of secondary guy that's going away from the blocking. And, and so you're seeing that a lot, um, you know, with guys like Lance, because he's a, largely your more talented ball carrier, right, of the of the two options in a lot of ways. And so you're going to get him kind of going down where all the blocking is and, and let him basically be a running back. And so, um, yeah, they did a lot of that stuff out of both the shotgun and pistol at, at North Dakota State. And, um, yeah, I would very much expect that to be the case going forward. Yeah, the, the most commonly, I think, viewed and understood inverted play is the play that Cam Newton runs when he's running through the middle of the defense and he effectively becomes the primary runner through the middle and the, the running back becomes the secondary option to the outside. Um, that is the, the more commonly understood kind of quarterback inverted run. Um, but they ran a lot of quarterback power where really the lead runner was Trey Lance. And that was the run that he did really, really well on in his career as his one-year career uh, as, as a quarterback in college. But it really was quarterback power with a pulling guard from the backside leading through the interior of the line. And there were just so many variations they had both of that play. But when they when they hit it, he was really quick to the hole. He was able to break tackles. He was dragging linebackers. I know, David, they're FCS linebackers, but he was still <laughs> dragging linebackers. And, and he got a lot of his yards yeah. on quarterback power. He did another concept called the pull lead, which we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, quarterback power was his bread and butter in college, and he did it really, really well. Yeah, and I, I think when you get to the pull lead stuff um, and some of the other things that they're doing, so you have kind of, um, you know, you have the option plays, uh that, that we've largely discussed at this point is, is one type of quarterback run. And then you also have just what I would call just designed quarterback runs, right? Where he's the only option. He's, he's the ball carrier on the play and you're just designing that run now for the quarterback as opposed to the running back. And those are the ones right where you're getting 
the the running back now just becomes an extra blocker so rather than him running off a different direction and, and being an option to potentially receive the ball he is is now just uh getting into the blocking scheme like any other blocker and so um you're you're gonna see them do a, a lot of stuff there where where he's like you know some of it's still on power and and some of your more common run concepts where he's just getting downhill with an extra blocker um they like to get him outside wide with with uh kind of what i would call pull lead plays where where essentially you're getting um play side blockers pulling out in front right so i think there's different variations like you might see it called like power sweep or you know g lead or or, uh, whatever types of other terms but basically what i'm kind of referring to is you're getting somebody on the play side so the the run's going to the right it's the right guard or the right tackle um and they're kind of pulling out in front and and leading the way uh for the ball carrier and so they did a lot of stuff like that to get him out on the edge as well Whereas with a, a power, you're traditionally seeing a backside puller. If the run's going right, then it's someone like the left guard who's pulling and creating the extra gap. And that's how you differentiate between those two concepts. Now, pull lead is a traditional quarterback run. It's not an option play. But we've talked about kind of some quarterback power option plays, a zone read, inverted zone reads. How do you differentiate a, a design quarterback run from an option play, or really an option play in general, so that when you're watching the tape, you can be like Leo meme with your friends and be like, hey, 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 I get it. I understand it. I see what they're doing. Yeah. So if it's well, so if you have the just the base, we'll kind of go through three, the three types. Right. And so I think if you have a, a basic quarterback run um, or a designed quarterback run, he's he's receiving the ball and he's going right. He's not he's not trying to fake handoff to anyone, do anything like that. Or if he does, it's like he's not really even getting it in there. He might like fake a jet sweep or something like that. Right. But he he's always going to have full control of the ball and he's never going to have any intent to give it up to anyone else. Um, then when you get into the option plays and kind of discerning, okay, when does the quarterback have an option to pull it here versus when is this just a normal run and he's just handing it off, right? I think there, there are going to be three things that you can look for in those situations. The first one is you want to see the quarterback with two hands on the ball in the mesh point. So the mesh point being where him and the running back come together. He's going to have two hands on that ball because he might keep it, right? He needs to be able to pull it out of there, but he's going to get it in the belly of that back and he's going to kind of ride that mesh point for a minute. He's going to, it's it's not going to be the quickest thing, right? He needs to be able to make a read. And that's where you get to the, the second point, right? There needs to be an unblocked defender. You have to have somebody that he can be reading, right? If there's nobody, if everybody's blocked, there's nobody for him to read, and so he's not doing anything. Um, and then you need to see it because an unblocked defender won't always do it. The quarterback needs to be looking at him, right? And that kind of gets back to riding the mesh point. He he needs to be looking at that unblocked player to see what he does before he can make a decision as to whether he's going to keep it or give it. Uh, and, and so those are kind of the three things that you can look at and, and see like, okay, did he actually have an option to be able to pull it and run it on this play? So what has Kyle Shanahan done in his tenure as an offensive play caller? We went back and looked at just a couple snaps of the Washington football team in 2012. Uh, We know that he also ran some option concepts in Atlanta with the spry Matt Ryan. He's also run option plays with CJ Beathard and Brian Hoyer ran a zone read for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah, um, she well, attempted and it didn't go so well. And it failed yeah. miserably. It was a uh, spoiler alert. It was a fumble <laughs> and they never ran it with Hoyer again. So what, what kind of, uh, what kind of quarterback run game did Shanahan have it, it, with Washington in 2012? Um, and, and is that, do you think what you're going to be able to see with Trey Lance or do you think we'll see more of all form? Yeah, so I think pretty much at every stop that we've seen anything from from Shanahan, it's been that very vanilla zone read is is kind of the core piece where he's gonna kind of tinker around with quarterback run because right since RG three he hasn't really um, had anybody that that is uh, capable of being a significant threat. So it's always been used more as a constraint play rather than a base part of their offense, right? So it's been a a thing that you you see CJ Beathard pull it and run for 16 yards randomly in a game because nobody 
actually expects that that's ever going to happen, right? So it's kind of that's been how he is is kind of thrown it into his offenses um, in in the post RG three days. Um, but even then, if you go back to that 2012 season in Washington, that was still again like heyday of the zone read. Like that was what the dominant shotgun pistol quarterback run was. Everybody was doing it out of zone stuff, and, and so I think that's what you saw predominantly from them in Washington as well. And, and yeah, he's had some things, even with the, the Niners, right. Where I, I think like, um, you know, the, the wide, wide majority of times that they've attempted to do something like that, it's been a zone read. Um, but they, they throw in something else every once in a while, right. They probably have a few snaps here and there, um, where, where they've tried yeah. to get something else involved, but yeah. One of the ones that he has gone back to a few times is once he he did it with Atlanta in 2016, and then he's done it a couple of times with the 49ers over the course of the last couple of years. And it's it's a play that's basically a toss read shovel. Uh, I think Matt Canada ran it uh, when he was still coaching in college, but it, effectively it appears like an inverted zone read or an inverted power. But you you've got an outside runner. Both of the play, both of the option runners, whether it be the the primary runner or the quarterback, are going to be running to the play side. And you've got a backside puller, so it ends up being a power play on the inside. But rather than the quarterback being the runner, he actually has like a little shovel pass that he ends up throwing to a tight end or a fullback, and they become the runner. So it still gives you the option framework, but it doesn't put your quarterback at risk. And so what it looks like, and the reason it's called a toss read shovel is because you're reading an unblocked defender on the play side, which is the defensive end. And if that edge stays home, then you're basically shovel passing it to the player that's coming in motion on the power play. But if that a defensive end bites down, then you're basically throwing the toss out and it's a toss play out to a running back that's going out wide. And so your two options are toss out to the running back or throw the shovel pass on the inside on what's effectively a quick hitting inside power. And we've run it with Kittle. We've run it with Juice. They've run it. It's something that he likes to do in the red zone. And he did it with Atlanta as well. And so he's been tinkering with these things and with different implementations of it in a way that hopefully doesn't hurt his quarterback. Or if you're C.J. Beathard, in a way where he just clearly has disregard for C.J. Beathard's body. And he's able to just run it and run it over and over again with C.J. Beathard. That was the quarterback that he's run the most, incidentally in his career as a 49ers play caller, C.J. Yep. Beathard. Most yep. number of uh, quarterback runs in really Shanahan's tenure, which is, I mean, look, we know that his his quality is his toughness. And Shanahan was really testing the limits of that toughness uh, by, by running my dude whenever he could, look, especially in the you red know, zone. You got Lamar Jackson, C.J. Beathard, L.J., C.J., who can really tell the difference, right? Um <laughs> It's just it's just a curve away, really. It's like LC, you know, yeah. all it is. is I a mean, curve. Yeah, right. So I think you look at stuff like the the toss reach shovel, and it's yeah, it's basically the um, you know immobile quarterback version of trying to build some of those concepts in. But your quarterback isn't actually a threat to be a runner, so you don't give him an option to be a runner. But you still can kind of get some of those elements right of giving you the benefit of reading a defender right and, and having a defender that you can key on um that you don't have to block and, and so that frees up again a blocker to go get somebody else um and, and so you can get some of those benefits right without actually having um the quarterback be a running option right he doesn't have to be very mobile at all to kind of pull that off so um yeah i think you've seen him wanting to to get elements like that into their offense previously and so now you're taking what is essentially that same blocking scheme right with the shovel you're you're getting really power blocking for the shovel pass right there's going to be a guard that's pulling around and leading the way for whoever your shovel option is going to be um and, and so now you're just changing that rather than than flipping that up to juice or kittle now lance is the one that is going to have that option to go up inside right and you're going to get a more traditional mesh look but the blocking otherwise right for all of the the blockers all the offensive linemen uh is exactly the same it's it's something that they already know and, and that's, I think, the the transition into what this will look like with Trey Lance in 2021 and beyond. Especially if you're looking just at 2021, the transition is going to look fairly seamless for a couple of reasons. One is I think that the way the Niners' diverse run game is set up, this isn't going to take a wholesale change in the way they block runs. All of the runs that we've talked about so far, whether you're talking about zone blocking, inside or outside, 
whether you're talking about um, kind of pull leads, more counter stuff. The Niners have been doing a lot more counter stuff and gap schemes the last couple of years to really set them up nicely to not have this be a huge transition for players like Trent Williams or Lake and Tomlinson. Honestly, Alex Mack may be the one who has to deal with the transition the most because he's the newest 49er. But outside of that, the other offensive line pieces that have been in the system for a couple of years are comfortable and good at running all of these types of schemes because they're not really dissimilar from what they've done so far. All they're changing is the primary ball carrier or who they're blocking or perhaps leaving unblocked. And and so I think when you're looking at what 2021 is going to look like, it's going to be, in my opinion, uh, if I'm going to take a, uh, a phrase from Love Island, it's doing bits. They're going to do bits and pieces of this that they're flirting with uh, or having, you know, some some relations with parts of the quarterback run game with Trey Lance being a designated runner, either in short yardage or in the red zone initially. Although I still think there is a path for Trey Lance to be the week one starter. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I still think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the week one starter. And whether or not you disagree with that, I think it is not the the point of this. I think the point is just to know that even if Garoppolo is the week one starter, it would not surprise me if by week one or two or three, we see short yardage packages for Trey Lance. And that's going to be run concepts the team is already familiar with, but now you're either adding a constraint or you're adding a just a flat-out quarterback run to get you those fourth and ones, third and ones in the red zone that is going to be what Shanahan leans on initially. And that's probably going to be a lot of what Trey Lance did in college. It's going to be the zone read. It's going to be the inverted zone read. It's going to be quarterback power. It may be, be some pull leads. They're going to be what he's used to, what he's familiar with, what he's done. And that's going to be a good way to ease Trey Lance into uh, the the way to play in the NFL, the speed of the NFL, what you do in the NFL, and, and still get him snaps, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. Right. Yeah, I, I think, and that's the the way to look at it, right? Even if you don't want to do, because we, we can talk, you know, it's a whole separate conversation about when Lance actually becomes a starter. Um, but I think you're looking at it as, right, what is he doing when Jimmy Garoppolo is still the starting quarterback? And then what is he doing once he takes that job over, whenever that may be? And, and I think, yeah, absolutely, as long as Jimmy's still the 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 starter out there, it's more specialty things, right? It's the short yardage and goal line packages and and kind of special things that you're putting in specifically for him just to get him out on the field for a handful of snaps a game. And then once he takes over, um, you know, I, I think whether it will look like this or not, um, obviously we we will wait and see. But I think it should look like the the main part of their run game, right? It needs to be pretty Ravens-esque, I feel like, and and not necessarily in terms of the overall volume of run plays that they have just in their offense necessarily, um, which, I mean, they're already not terribly far off of that anyway without a mobile quarterback in there. So uh, I don't know that they'll be too far off once Lance gets in, but um, I, I think it's more about building the quarterback run into that being kind of the dominant way almost that you look to attack uh defenses right because that's where where you can kind of tilt the scales a little bit i mean so much of what we've talked about um in terms of pass game versus run game stuff is just the pass game is so much more efficient right like even once you're factoring in incompletions in and all of that other th- that stuff like you just gain more yardage more eff- effectively and efficiently with the passing game and and the one thing that can kind of close that gap a little bit is when you get the quarterback involved in the run game, because so often on on a lot of this option stuff, especially like the quarterback's going sometimes five, six yards before he's even coming into contact with the defender. Right. And, and so there's a lot more free yardage there available with the quarterback as a runner. And then you get all the benefits to your normal run stuff. Right. Just with him being out there, because, again, it's you're constraining the defense in a way you have to have some of those guys, uh, you know, kind of stay home a little bit and and be aware of the quarterback run. And so I think, yeah, when, once he takes over as a starter, it, it needs to be uh, a major, major part of what they're doing offensively and what they're doing, you know, obviously is, is specifically in the run game. Yeah, so what does that look like then when when you're differentiating what it looks like when the quarterback run or the option is an integrated part of what they do on every snap 
versus what I think most people are used to when they're thinking about that quarterback run game. I think things that come to mind are Russell Wilson, uh, you know, maybe four years ago where it was like he would just pull the ball every now and again. Or Daniel Jones, I think, would be another example who, you know, is going to break off you another. Just went from Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, to Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. Hey, man, I've got uh, I've got the Giants on the brain, my friend. Uh, we're, we're getting, we're getting turned with the giants here, but Daniel Jones just got turned on a little bit. Listen to this podcast (laughs) by by being that close to Russell Wilson, just in the presence of my voice, he's already getting, he's already getting man hammer in the jinglies. Uh, but the, Oh God, I forgot about that ESPN cover. Anyway, the, the, the idea that it's just kind of something they sprinkle in every now and again, but not really an integrated part of their system. What are the features in your mind of, a system on offense where the quarterback is an integrated part of the run game that is independent of those kind of just one-off zone reads. Yeah, I, I think it's just, so, I mean, it, it's not terribly dissimilar to like some of the the great things that we've talked about in terms of how Shanahan structures his offense already, right? In that everything is kind of intentional and things build on each other. And, and so, right, they have obviously run plays that start out with, and they have play action concepts that are very specific and look like the run plays. And then maybe they have a trick play that's kind of off of that. And they just, there's there's layers right in the offense, but everything is kind of cohesive and, and builds on something else in the offense. So everything's kind of tied together. It doesn't feel just kind of like, these thrown together parts. And and I think that's what a lot of the quarterback run game in, in the NFL has been. It's just like, okay, yeah, we've got all of our normal stuff. And then, all right, well, we've got Cam Newton. So let's like, you know, call this other thing here that doesn't really fit in with what we do, you know, eight times a game or something like that. And, and so I think it, you just need to see it now where you're transitioning offensively to your run game just having that option there most of the time. And when you look at at the Ravens and kind of what they've done since Lamar Jackson came in and across all of their run plays, um, you know, at PFF, we had them tagged with having a, a, either a design quarterback run or an option to run on about 43%, you know, give or take there. Uh, Basically you can say like low forties of their running plays. And so, and I think you could even probably like if you did a little bit better job filtering, like if you suddenly get rid of, um, you know, fumbled snaps and, and weird short yard stuff, like things that aren't even really like core run plays anyway. And you just kind of focused in on, okay, base running stuff. Um, it's, it's probably higher than that. And, and so I think that's kind of what you're, you're looking for is the majority of your plays, your base run concepts need to just be adapted and have the threat of a quarterback running on most of those. Right. And, and so, um, it just becomes part of what you do and you have things that build off of that and, uh, and, and you add those layers to it as well so that you're getting all the same benefits of things looking similar, but presenting different options to the defense, um, you know, that they're already so good at doing. And ultimately I still think that Shanahan is right. Shanahan ha- and and he's right in the regard that ultimately you the the quarterback run game will only take you so far. That can't be the thing that you rely on all of the time. And Lamar Jackson is I think the prime example. It's not a coincidence that we're comparing them to the Ravens in terms of their run game because Lamar Jackson's been able to do some very wonderful electric things as a runner and a quarterback in that offense, but there's a reason he hasn't been able to progress deep into the playoffs, and it's because I think he's still not as evolved as a passer as some of the elite passers in the NFL. And Shanahan's right. While these quarterback option things and runs are very helpful for an offense, ultimately defenses will have an answer. And in any given game or season, they'll be able to do things that prevent you from imposing your will in the run game or the quarterback run game. Now what? Or maybe your defense sucks and now you're down three scores and you can't sit there and run the ball over and over and over again as the Ravens found out what happens when you play a, game, a, a team like the Chiefs and you end up getting down and you have to throw the ball to win the game. Now what do you do? You still have to have a quarterback that does those things. And so Shanahan is right. You, you can't just rely on this to propel your offense, but it's a hell of a tool to have. Because it's just another weapon that you have. It's another thing that you can do to force the defense into playing the way that you want so that you can pick them apart. It's wonderful because it gives you options in short yardage. I mean, even even in training camp in the reports that that we were talking about earlier, they talked about the red zone. Uh, I think each, the first and second team had 
you know, six opportunities or four opportunities to go into the red zone from 12 yards out or something like that, or go into the end zone from 12 yards out. And Trey Lance scored on all of his opportunities. And it was like short pass, zone read, give, zone read, keep, short pass. And it's like <laughs> those options are not available to Jimmy Garoppolo just because he's not a quarterback who's going to pull the ball and run in short yarded situations. How frustrating was it to guard Russell Wilson in the red zone? And you're thinking to yourself, okay, he's either going to give it to Marshawn or he's going to pull it. Like we know one of these two things is going to happen. And he just waltzes into the end zone untouched. It's just another weapon that is going to make this offense more dangerous. And that's great, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that Lance is going to need to be a pocket performer in order to really take off. Right. Yeah. I, I think you can obviously win a lot of games if you, um, in a lot of regular season games, especially like if you have a run game that is very effective, right? I think like the Ravens basically are the only team since Lamar Jackson came in the league, uh, the only team during that span to have positive EPA on running plays, right? It, it just like, and we've talked a lot about the 49ers specifically and that they really haven't been in recent years, like, the most efficient running game kind of what they have done is is been able to do a good job at generating a high number of explosive plays and so it's done they've done well enough there to offset the fact that there's a lot of no gains and one yard and two yard runs that are that are mixed in between there and so if suddenly you can now have the efficiency and and you get the big increase there because you have the quarterback as a running threat and and he's carrying the ball a decent chunk of time and um suddenly you're you're pushing that you know yard per carry average up by a yard or two um and then you still have the explosive plays right and you shit you may even be able to improve on the explosive plays because of the threat that lance has right and what he's going to add there and so now you're talking about um a run game that that can actually be a focal point of an offense and not that not be a detriment for your offense because i mean they've tried right like they they whether it was due to poor quarterback play or just preference from shanahan or whatever it is i mean they're up there like they're they're not quite to the Ravens level in terms of how frequently they're running the ball since he's been there. But I mean, it's not that far off, right? They've still been one of the most run dominant teams in the league under Shanahan. And so, uh, yeah, if you can suddenly make that part of your game and that part of your offense so much more efficient, um, it's going to be a successful formula for them. And they're going to be able to win a lot of games doing that. But yeah, it, it always with the quarterback position and, and, uh, I think kind of winning consistently against top level competition once you get in the playoffs or to the Super Bowl, like, yeah, he's got to be able to throw it, right? And and that's going to be uh, what can determine their ultimate success in those big games, right? You can you can limit the number of times that he's in that situation by doing all of this other stuff, right? He, he may not be in that position where he's got to drop back and everybody knows he's dropping back and they've got to come from behind and, uh, and, and win a game that way. Right. Like you may not be in that situation very often because of all of these things that you're doing, but I mean, it's the NFL. You're going to end up there at some point. And I do think that this is clearly Shanahan is excited about the creativity that he gets to unlock with having a piece like Trey Lance to, to play with. Ultimately you heard, I think on Chris Collinsworth podcast, you heard John Lynch talk about their process and choosing Trey Lance and Shanahan was sketching out plays with Trey Lance as the focal point. And you have to imagine that some of those are quarterback runs or option plays where you are constraining a defense or forcing a defense to play a certain way because they have to respect the threat of Trey Lance as a runner. And now all of a sudden it makes things easier for him as a thrower. And, and that's the long runway that someone like Shanahan can give Trey Lance because Trey Lance is not a finished project and he is going to be someone who's going to need to learn how to be an efficient passer in the NFL. It's a process that even Tom Brady had to go through. Tom Brady did not enter the league at age 44, despite the fact that he looks in pictures as though he's never aged. <laughs> I don't understand it. I should start rubbing avocado on my face that, too. That I guess. TV 12 method, man. Apparently, but he you know, he didn't come into the league fully formed. He still had to build and learn how to be, you know, kind of peak Tom Brady. Trey Lance is going to go through a similar process. Where he's going to learn how to become a quarterback in the NFL. And this stuff where he's going to be able to throw to open receivers, run as a quarterback, uh, whether it be on options or design runs, it's going to give him a longer runway, more time to build the skills that he needs to have as a passer to be incredibly successful in the NFL. And that overall 
is exciting because I think option runs are fun. I think that the just the scheme that goes into it. The I mean, we we didn't even talk about like the Ravens' preferred uh, quarterback run, which is bash. It's basically a quarterback counter, um, and, and that kind of stuff I think is really fun and interesting. And so not only is the Niners' offense probably going to be better with Lance, but it's also going to be more interesting. It's going to be more diverse. Defensive coordinator is going to have to prepare for more things. You're going to have more constraint plays. Like this, just there's it's all coming up aces. I don't understand why this is a bad thing. Run the quarterback. I love it. Let's go, Trey Lance. Wait, are there people saying it's a bad thing? No, I think uh, the the only things I've heard are like the the traditional. Um, I mean, maybe I'd call them tropes at this point. The olds. But, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, easy with the olds business. Okay, I saw some New Balance cleats on Twitter the other day. I'm not sure if they were uh, Photoshop edits or real, but I saw them for a second. And I was like, I mean, I would probably rock those if I played a flag football game. Like that's kind of funny. Like. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> hey, man, mow the lawn and play on it at the same time. I mean, look, it's it's, it's a win-win look, Sometimes you just uh, you need those jump cuts around the tree. Why aren't with the lawn? do. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's it's difficult to get around when you have some nice plush grass. You don't want to mess it up. But the I forgot what the hell I was like. Oh, the olds. The, uh, the quarterback will get hurt. What are you going to do? You expose them to more hits. Uh, you know, cause I think at this point, I hope we're beyond the, it's a gimmick thing. Yeah. Uh, I hope, especially at the beginning of the pod, we talked about why it's not a gimmick, but why it's a football sound play. If not, Shanahan will tell you. It's a good thing uh, that don't all of the, uh, the pocket passers are staying healthy. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been on the field so much, um, <laughs> even though he hasn't been running any, uh, design quarterback runs. So yeah, I think that checks out. There's not really much argument there. I think your sarcastic points are the best points, Newman. <laughs> Uh, there, uh, you know, it's like, there's, there's a bit of, uh, of jovialness in there that like you expect a really good one. You're like, Oh, I see. He's being sarcastic. <laughs> Still a good point though. Still a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't think at this point of, of any other, um, like you shouldn't do that in the NFL nowadays type of arguments other than the quarterback yeah. is going to, cause I think Kim Newton is really the, the example that people bring up. It's like, over may not maybe not in one season, maybe not in two seasons, but over the course of Cam Newton's career, maybe he's not going to get to year twenty like Tom Brady is because his shoulders messed up, his ankles messed up, you know, his body has just taken more punishment, even though he's a big ass dude. It's it's like, would you rather have like right? It just doesn't make sense. Like that line of of thought doesn't make sense because it's like okay, even if you're going to say that overall their career is going to be shortened, like uh, if you have a great quarterback that that comes in and he's like a Lamar Jackson type player right like let's just say use Lamar Jackson would you rather have I don't know say seven years of Lamar Jackson or seven years of fucking Nick Mullins you know what I mean like (laughs) yeah it's just uh it's it's dumb like you know you're nothing in the NFL like planning wise like fucking last more than like a couple years anyway like if you get a quarterback that that makes it past his first contract on your team you're like fuck yeah we we found somebody that's decent you know that can actually play in this league so yeah the fact that they don't turn into uh that, that he might not play 20 years like Tom Brady because he takes some extra hits is just fucking dumb yeah well i think i i don't think the injury thing i think injuries at this point are fluky enough that it's like yeah like look people get injured and people don't get injured it's also football um we have a running back that got injured standing in the locker room you know so it's like i i don't i don't necessarily worry too much about the injury thing even though i know the niners have been besieged by injuries and and people are looking for answers on that front and they don't want to do anything that exposes them to more injuries i think you know what sometimes they're just fluky because in the Harbaugh years, the Niners were some of the healthiest teams in the whole wide world. Now they're not. In a few years, maybe they'll be super healthy. It's just it's not something that you can control. This is why we watch soccer. Uh, there's no injuries in soccer. And if there are, they just get hit with the magic spray and they're back immediately. Bring the magic spray to the NFL is what I say. Matt, that's clearly all that we need. Um, and you just yeah. start asking guys when they go down concuss, like, why don't you just pop right back the fuck up? Yeah, after five you're going to do it when I bring the stretch out, right? Because yeah. as soon as I bring the stretch out, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, well, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And we will likely read it, uh, internalize it, think about it way too long, make sarcastic quips about it to each other via text, uh, and then maybe bring it up on a podcast. Uh, I think that would be great. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, tell them about the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Um, get in there. Buy us a beer. We're, we're just about, you know, getting into the flow of season here. So, I mean, we should have some some videos coming up here on the, the few Scheme Month episodes that we're going to do. I'm not entirely sure. We haven't really talked about preseason just yet. Um, and, and we kind of, I think, depend on what sort of film and all that stuff is available. We might get something there. But obviously, we're yeah, the game uh, a pass month thing. away. Oh, go ahead. The Game yeah. Pass thing hurts me. Uh, it doesn't hurt you as much as it hurts me. Uh, I can't look up all 22 as easily as you can. But I think we should do a Q&A on the Patreon here pretty soon. I think we should just grab a beer and maybe do it after the, the Ski Month episode drops, maybe sometime this weekend, and just be like, hey, ask questions. Let's talk. Yeah. Because um, I think let's. Uh, I think we're going to see each other this weekend. Let's, yeah. let's try to make that happen. After uh, uh, the girls' swim class on, uh, well, he's my daughter's swim class on Saturday. Let's, uh, let's get together. Let's do things. I haven't seen you in real life in a long time. Let's do I'm it. I'm Jonesen. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm Daniel Jonesen. I'm Daniel Jonesen, oh, no. and I need that feeling like uh, Joe Judge after a training camp fight. You know? I'm just, look, I'm finding every way I can to bring this back. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, go buy us a beer. I'm going to maybe drink some of them this weekend. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. <laughs>